0: Chapters 30 and 31 of A Comic History of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Comic History of the United States by Bill Nye. Chapter 30 Reconstruction Without Pain. Administrations of Johnson and Grant. It was feared that the return of a million federal soldiers to their homes after the four years of war would make serious trouble in the north, but they were very shortly adjusted to their new lives and attending to the duties which peace imposed upon them. The war of the rebellion was disastrous to nearly every branch of trade, but those who remained at home to write the war songs of the north did well. Some of these efforts were worthy— and buoyed up by a general feeling of robust patriotism. They floated on to success. But few have stood the test of years and monotonous peace. The author of Mother, I Am Hollow to the Ground is just depositing his profits from its sale in the picture given on the next page. The second one, wearing the cape overcoat tragedy air, wrote, Who Will Be My Laundress Now? andrew johnson succeeded to mr lincoln's seat having acted before as his vice a great review of the army lasting twelve hours was arranged to take place in washington consisting of the armies of grant and sherman it was reviewed by the president and cabinet it extended over thirty miles twenty men deep and constituted about one-fifth of the northern army at the time peace was declared president johnson recognized the state governments existing in virginia tennessee arkansas and louisiana but instituted provisional governments for the other states of the defeated confederacy as it seemed impossible otherwise to bring order out of the chaos which war and financial distress had brought about he authorized the assembly also of loyal conventions to elect state and other officers and pardoned by proclamation everybody with the exception of a certain class of the late insurgents whom he pardoned personally on christmas day 1868 a universal amnesty was declared the thirteenth amendment abolishing slavery became a part of the constitution december 18th 1865 and the former masters found themselves still morally responsible for these colored people without the right to control them or even the money with which to employ them the annual interest on the national debt at this time amounted to one hundred and fifty million dollars yet the treasury paid this together with the expenses of government and reduced the debt seventy-one million dollars before the volunteer army had been fully discharged in eighteen sixty-six comment on such recuperative power as that is unnecessary for the generation that fights a four years war costing over two billions of dollars generally leaves the debt for another generation or another century to pay Congress met finally, ignored the President's rollicking welcome to the seceded states, and over his veto proceeded to pass various laws regarding their admission, such as the civil rights and Freedmen's Bureau bills. Tennessee returned promptly to the Union under the constitutional amendments, but the others did not till the nightmare of Reconstruction had been added to the horrors of war. In 1868, after much time worse than wasted in carpetbag government and a mob reign in the South, which imperiled her welfare for many years after it was over, by frightening investors and settlers long after peace had been restored, representatives began to come into Congress under the laws. During this same year, the hostilities between Congress and the President culminated in an effort to impeach the latter he escaped by one vote. It is very likely that the assassination of Lincoln was the most unfortunate thing that happened to the southern states. While he was not a warrior, he was a statesman, and no gentler hand or more willing brain could have entered with enthusiasm into the adjustment of chaotic conditions than his. The 14th Amendment, a bright little bon mot, became a law june twenty eighth eighteen sixty eight and was written in the minutes of congress so that people could go there and refresh their memories regarding it it guaranteed civil rights to all regardless of race color odor wildness or wooliness whatsoever and allowed all noses to be counted in congressional representations no matter what angle they may be at or what color they may be Some American citizens murmur at taxation without representation, but the Negro murmurs at representation without remuneration. The Fenian excitement of 1866 died out without much loss of life. In October 1867, Alaska was purchased from Russia for $7,200,000.00. The ice crop since then would more than pay for the place, and it has also a water power and cranberry marsh on it. The rule of the imperialists in France prompted the appointment of Maximilian, Archduke of Austria, as Emperor of Mexico, supported by the French army. The Americans, still sore and in debt at the heels of their own war, pitied the helpless Mexicans and acting on the principles enunciated in the Monroe doctrine demanded the recall of maximilian who deserted finally by his foreign abettors was defeated and as a prisoner shot by the mexicans june nineteenth, 1867 the atlantic cable was laid from valencia bay in ireland to heart's content newfoundland one thousand eight hundred and sixty four miles and the line from new york to the latter place built in 1856 a distance of 1000 miles making in all as keen mathematicians will see 2864 miles a very agreeable commercial treaty with china was arranged in 1868 grant and colfax republicans succeeded andrew johnson in the next election horatio seymour of new york and Frank P. Blair of Missouri being the Democratic nominees. Virginia and Mississippi had not been fully reconstructed, and so were not yet permitted to vote. They have squared the matter up since, however, by voting with great enthusiasm. In 1869, the Pacific Railroad was completed, whereby the trip from the Atlantic to the Pacific, 3,300 miles, might be made in a week. It also attracted the Asiatic trade, and tea, silk, spices, and leprosy found a new market in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Still flushed with its success in humorous legislation, Congress, on the 30th of March, 1870, passed the 15th Amendment, giving to the colored men the right to vote. It then became a part of the Constitution, and people who have seen it there speak very highly of it prosperity now attracted no attention whatever gold worth nearly three dollars at the close of the war fell to a dollar and ten cents and the debt during the first two years of this administration was reduced two hundred million dollars genuine peace reigned in the entire republic and o'er the scarred and shell-torn fields of the south there waved in place of hostile banners once more the cotton and the corn the red foliage of the gum tree with the white and the snowy white cotton fields and the bluegrass of kentucky footnote bluegrass is not strictly speaking blue enough to figure in the national colors but the author has taken out a poetic license which does not expire for over a year yet and he is therefore under its permission allowed a certain amount of idiocy in the footnote showed that the fields had never forgotten their loyalty to the national colors. Peace, under greatly changed conditions, resumed her vocations, and in the language of the poet, quote, there were domes of white blossoms where swelled the white tent. There were plows in the track where the war wagons went. There were songs where they lifted up Rachel's lament, End quote. October 8th, 1871 occurred the great fire in Chicago, raging for forty eight hours and devastating three thousand acres of the city. Twenty five thousand buildings were burned and two hundred million dollars worth of property. One hundred thousand people lost their houses, and over seven and one half millions of dollars were raised for those who needed it all parts of the world uniting to improve the joyful opportunity to do good without a doubt of its hearty appreciation. Boston also had a $70 million fire in the heart of the wholesale trade covering 60 acres, and in the prairie and woods fires of Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan, many people lost not only their homes but their lives. 1,500 people perished in Wisconsin alone in eighteen seventy one the damage done by alabama a british built ship and several other cruisers sent out partly to facilitate the cotton trade and partly to do a little fighting when a federal vessel came that way was assessed at fifteen million five hundred thousand dollars against great britain by the arbitrators who met at geneva switzerland and the northwestern boundary line between the united states and british america was settled by arbitration the emperor of germany acting as arbitrator and deciding in favor of america this showed that people who have just wound up a big war have often learned some valuable sense not two billion dollars worth perhaps but some san domingo was reported for sale and a committee looked at it priced it, etc., but Congress decided not to buy it. The Liberal Republican Party, or that element of the original party which was opposed to the administration, nominated Horace Greeley of New York, while the old party renominated General Grant for the term to succeed himself. The latter was elected, and Mr. Greeley did not long survive his defeat." the modoc indians broke loose in the early part of grant's second term and leaping from their lava beds early in the morning Shacknasty jim and other unlaundried children of the forest raised merry future punishment and the government always kind always loving and sweet toward the red brother sent a peace commission with popcorn balls and a gentle-voiced parson to tell shack nasty james and old stand up and sit down that the white father at washington loved them and wanted them all to come and spend the summer at his house and also that by sin death came into the world and that we were all primordial germs at first and that we should look up not down look out not in look forward not backward and lend a hand it was at this moment that early to bed and early to rise black hawk and shack nasty james thinking that this thing had gone far enough killed general canby and wounded both mr meacham and reverend dr thomas who had never had an unkind thought toward the Modocs in their lives the troops then allowed their ill-temper to get the best of them and asked the Modocs if they meant anything personal by their action. And learning that they did, the soldiers did what, with the proper authority, they would have done at first, bombarded the children of the forest and mussed up their lava beds so that they were glad to surrender. In 1873, a panic occurred after the failure of J. Cook & Company of Philadelphia and a money stringency followed the democrats attributing it a good deal to the party in power just as cheap republicans twenty years later charged the democratic administration with this same thing inconsistency of this kind keeps good men like the writer out of politics and turns their attention toward the contemplation of a better land In 1875, centennial anniversaries began to ripen and continued to fall off the different branches of government according to the history of events so graphically set forth in the preceding pages. They were duly celebrated by a happy and self-made people. The Centennial Exposition at Philadelphia in 1876 was a marked success in every way, nearly 10 millions of people having visited it, who claimed that it was well worth the price of admission. Aside from the fact that these 10 millions of people had talked about it to 10 millions of folks at home, or thought they had, the exposition was a boon to everyone, and thousands of Americans went home with a knowledge of their country that they had never had before, and pointers on blowing out gas, which saved many lives in after years. End of chapter 30 chapter 31 closing chronicles in 1876 the peaceful sioux took an outing having refused to go to their reservation in accordance with the treaty made with the great father at washington dc and regular troops were sent against them general custer with the 7th regiment led the advance and general terry aimed for the rear of the children of the forest up the big horn here on the 25th of june without assistance and with characteristic courage general custer attacked the enemy sending colonel reno to fall on the rear of the village scarcely enough of custer's own command with him at the time lived long enough to tell the story of the battle general custer his two brothers and his nephew were among the dead reno held his ground until reinforced but custer's troops were exterminated It is said that the Sioux rose from the ground like a bunch grass and swarmed up the little hill like a pest of grasshoppers, mowing down the soldiers with the very newest and best weapons of warfare and leaving nothing at last but the robbed and mutilated bodies lying naked in the desolate land of the Dakota. The Fenimore Cooper Indian is no doubt a brave and highly intellectual person, educated abroad, refined and cultivated by foreign travel graceful in the grub dance or scalp walk around yet tender-hearted as a girl walking by night 57 miles in a single evening to warn his white friends of danger the indian introduced into literature was a bronze apollo who bathed almost constantly and only killed white people who were unpleasant and coarse he dressed in new and fresh buckskins with trimmings of same, and his sable hair hung glossy and beautiful down the coppery billows of muscles on his back. The real Indian has the dead and unkempt hair of a busted buggy cushion filled with hen feathers. He lies, he steals, he assassinates, he mutilates, he tortures he needs Persian powder long before he needs the theology which abler men cannot agree upon. We can, in fact, only retain him as we do the buffalo, so long as he complies with the statutes. But the Red Brother is on his way to join the cave bear, the three-toed horse, and the ichthyosaurus in the great fossil realm of the historic past. Move on, Maroon Brother, move on. Rutherford B. Hayes and William A. Wheeler were nominated in the summer of 1876. And so close was the fight against Samuel J. Tilden and Thomas A. Hendricks that friends of the latter to this day refer to the selection of Hayes and Wheeler by a joint electoral commission to whom the contested election was referred as a fraud and larceny on the part of the Republican Party. It is not the part of an historian who is absolutely destitute of political principles to pass judgment facts have crept into this history it is true but no one could regret it more than the author yet there has been no bias or political prejudice shown other than that reflected from the historical sources whence information was necessarily obtained hayes was chosen and gave the country an unruffled unbiased administration devoid of frills and absolutely free from the appearance of hostility to anyone he was one of the most conciliatory presidents ever elected by republican votes or counted in by a joint electoral commission he withdrew all troops from the south and in several southern states things wore a democratic air at once in eighteen seventy three congress demonetized silver and quite a number of businessmen were demonetized at the same time so in 1878 silver was made a legal tender for all debts as a result in 1879 gold for the first time in 17 years sold at par troubles arose in 1878 over the right to fish in the northeast waters and the treaty at washington resulted in an award to great britain of five million five hundred thousand dollars with the understanding that wasteful fishing should cease and that as soon as either party got enough for a mess he should go home no matter how well the fish seemed to be biting the right to regulate Chinese immigration was given by treaty at Pekin and ever since the Chinaman has entered our enclosures in some mysterious way made enough in a few years to live like a potentate in China and returned leaving behind a pleasant memory and a chiffonier here and there throughout the country filled with scorched shirt bosoms acid eaten collars and white vests with burglar proof ingrowing pockets in them the next nominations for president and vice-president were james a garfield of ohio and chester a arthur of new york on the republican ticket and winfield s hancock of pennsylvania and william h english of indiana on the democratic ticket james b weaver was connected with this campaign also Who will tell us what he had to do with it? Can no one tell us what James B. Weaver had to do with the campaign of 1881? Very well, I will tell you what he had to do with the campaign of 1881. He was the presidential candidate on the greenback ticket, but it was kept so quiet that I am not surprised to know that you did not hear about it. After the inauguration of Garfield, the investigation and annulling of Star Route contracts fraudulently obtained were carried out, whereby $2 million worth of these corrupt agreements were rendered null and void. On the morning of July 2nd, President Garfield was shot by a poor, miserable, unbalanced, and abnormal growth whose name will not be discovered even in the appendix of this work. He was tried, convicted, and sent squealing into eternity. The president lingered patiently for two months and a half, when he died. After the accession of President Arthur, there occurred floods on the lower Mississippi, whereby one hundred thousand people lost their homes. The administration was not in any way to blame for this. In 1883, the Brooklyn Bridge across East River was completed and ready for jumping purposes. It was regarded as a great engineering success at the time, but it is now admitted that it is not high enough. A person jumping from it is not always killed. The same year the Civil Service Bill became a law. It provides that competitive examinations shall be made of certain applicants for office, whereby mail carriers must prove that they know how to teach school and guards in the united states penitentiaries are required to describe how to navigate a ship possibly recent improvements that have been made by which the curriculum is more fitted to the crime but in the early operations of the law the janitor of a jail had to know what length shadow would be cast by a pole eighteen feet six and a quarter inches high on the third day of July at 11 o'clock 30 minutes and 20 seconds standing on a knoll 35 feet eight and one-eighth inches high provided eight men in nine days can erect such a pole working eight hours per day. In 1883 letter postage was reduced from three cents to two cents per half ounce and in 1885 to two cents per ounce. In 1884, Alaska was organized as a territory, and after digging the snow out of Sitka so that the governor should not take cold in his system, it was made the seat of government. Chinese immigration in 1882 was forbidden for 10 years, and in 1884, a treaty with Mexico was made, a copy of which is on file with the State Department, but not allowed to be loaned to the author for use in this work. Grover Cleveland and Thomas A. Hendricks were nominated and elected at the end of President Arthur's term, running against James G. Blaine and John A. Logan, the Republican candidates, also Benjamin F. Butler and A. M. West of Mississippi on the People's Ticket, and John P. St. John and William Daniel on the Prohibition Ticket. St. John went home and kept bees so that he could have honey to eat on his Kansas locusts, and Daniel swore he would never enter the performing cage of immoral political wild beasts again while reason remained on her throne. In 1886, a presidential succession law was passed whereby, on the death of the president and the vice president, the order of succession shall be the secretary of state the Secretary of Treasury, Secretary of War, the Attorney General, the Postmaster General, and the Secretaries of the Navy and of the Interior. This gives the Secretary of Agriculture an extremely remote and rarefied chance at the presidency. Still, he should be just as faithful to his trust as if he were nearer the throne. May fourth, 1886, occurred a terrible outbreak of Chicago anarchists whereby seven policemen were sent to preserve order were killed by the bursting of an anarchist's bomb the anarchists were tried and executed with the exception of ling who ate a dynamite capsule and passed into rest having had his features and especially his nose blown in a swift and earnest manner death resulted and whiskers and beer blossoms are still found embedded in the stone walls of his cell Those who attended the funeral say that Ling, from a scenic point of view, was not a success. Governor Altgeld of Illinois, an amateur American, in the summer of 1893, pardoned two of the anarchists who had escaped death by imprisonment. August thirty-first, 1886, in Charleston, occurred several terrible earthquake shocks which seriously damaged the city and shocked and impaired the nerves and health of hundreds of people. The noted heroism and pluck of the people of Charleston were never shown to greater advantage than on this occasion. Mr. Cleveland was again nominated, but was defeated by General Benjamin Harrison. Honorable James G. Blaine of Maine was made Secretary of State, and William Wyndham, a veteran financier, Secretary of the Treasury. Secretary Wyndham's tragic death, just as he had finished a most brilliant address to the great capitalists of New York after their annual dinner and discussion at Delmonico's, is, and will ever remain, while life lasts, a most dramatic picture in the author's memory. Personally, the administration of President Harrison will be long remembered for the number of deaths among the families of the executive and those of his cabinet and friends. Nebraska, the 37th state, was admitted March 1st, 1867. The name signifies Water Valley. Colorado, the centennial state, was the 38th. She was admitted July 1st, 1876. Six other states have been since admitted when the political sign was right. Still, they have not always stuck by the party admitting them to the Union. This is the kind of ingratitude which sometimes leads to the reformation of politicians supposed to have been dead in sin. President Harrison's administration was a thoroughly upright and honest one so far as it was possible for it to be after his party had drifted into the musty catacombs of security and office and the ship of state had become covered with large and expensive barnacles as we go to press his successor grover cleveland in the first year of his second administration is paying a high price for fleeting fame with the serious question of what to do with the relative coinage of gold and silver and the democrats in congress for the first time in the history of the world are referring each other with hot breath and flashing eye to the platform they adopted at national convention heretofore among the politicians a platform like that on the railway cars is made for the purpose of helping the party to get aboard but not to ride on the columbian exposition and world's fair at chicago in the summer of eighteen ninety three eclipsed all former exhibitions costing more and showing greater artistic taste especially in its buildings than anything preceding it some gentle warfare resulted from a struggle over the question of opening the white city on sunday and a great deal of bitterness was shown by those who opposed the opening and who had for years favored the sunday closing of niagara a doubtful victory was obtained by the sunday openers for so many of the exhibitors closed their departments that visitors did not attend on sunday in paying quantities against a thousand odds and over a thousand obstacles especially the apprehension of asiatic cholera and the actual sudden appearance of a gigantic money panic chicago heroic and victorious carried out her mighty plans and gave to the world an exhibition that won gold opinions from her friends and stilled in dumb wonder the jealousy of her enemies In the meantime, the author begs leave to thank his readers for the rapt attention shown in perusing these earnest pages, and to apologize for the tears of sympathy thoughtlessly wrung from eyes unused to weep by the graphic word painting and fine education shown by the author. It was not the intention of the writer to touch the fountain of tears and create washouts everywhere, but sometimes tears do one good. In closing, would it be out of place to say that the stringency of the money market is most noticeable and most painful, and for that reason would it be too much trouble for the owner of this book to refuse to loan it, thereby encouraging its sale and contributing to the comfort of a deserving young man? The End Appendix the idea of an appendix to this work was suggested by a relative who promised to prepare it but who has been detained now for over a year in one of the public buildings of colorado on the trumped up charge of horse stealing the very fact that he was not at once hanged shows that the charge was not fully sustained and that the horse was very likely of little value the author end of chapter And end of Comic History of the United States by Bill Nye, read by Alison Hester in Athens, Georgia, June 2008.